But Jesus made these sacrifices because he was building an internal kingdom that we could all share in his glory with for eternity. Mm. And the devil was promoting to Jesus a kingdom where there was no sharing. Mm. There was just slavery. Yeah. Welcome to the Light Switch Podcast by Luminate Student Ministry, a place for the skeptic, the Bible believer, as well as everyone in between. As you know, our world is often in the dark. Our hope is to flip the switch on topics surrounding biblical engagement, apologetic arguments, spiritual formation, and emotional wellness. We want Jesus Christ to illuminate every aspect of your life so that you can shine the light of Christ in every situation. Hey everybody, welcome. This is Matthew. Hey, this is Dan. And this is a heavy podcast. It's going to be locked and loaded. Yeah. Get your seatbelts on. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are talking about, uh, well, first off, this is our second biblical engagement episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're hoping to do with these biblical engagement episodes is give you tools and the ways to be able to engage scripture mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to be engaged. And the reason why we're talking about this and the reason why we're stepping into these kinds of discussions is because, man, if we cannot engage scripture, I don't know how we can know who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, now we can do that through I, scripture is a shortcut to knowing who God is. Right. Uh, because even in scripture, it says in Romans that God has revealed all of his power and all of mm-hmm. his uh, divine nature uh, through nature. Yeah. Right. And that we can know him. That's one way he's revealed himself, but we serve a God who not only revealed himself through nature, he also revealed himself through a being known mm-hmm. as Jesus Christ yep. by becoming human for us. That's what mm-hmm. the Logos is, the word enfleshed, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you can check out mine and Randy's uh, podcast on that, another um, uh biblical engagement episode when somebody questions you and says how can you read the bible you're able to say well actually there's a context to that and here's how we read it and and those kinds of things and so daniel i'm so glad that you're here with me and to to tackle this i got nerves i know man man. i'm actually kind of nervous too Because these, this is topic, a huge these topic. are topics that they just make you go this <laughs> yeah man and but that's so, and yeah. that's something you got to realize is that the point of this podcast is we're flipping the switch Yep. We're going to the things that are mm. tough to talk about. Yeah. And me and Matthew, we're just going to let you all know, we're not going to give you every answer no, here. No, no. And if you're leaving there, so I'm like, well, that quite didn't make sense. Yeah. Great. Great. Look into it yeah. more. You can even reach out to us. Let's just throw yeah. our, throw our, our, I'll throw my email Social there. security. Yeah, all yeah, that. yeah, social security. <laughs> Here's my credit card. No, uh, but you can even reach out to us. My email is Matthew at keystonechurch.us, or you can reach out to Daniel at Dan at keystonechurch.us mm-hmm. and you can reach out to us and if we have if, if we would love to hear from you and hear from any questions that you have regarding what we're talking about we are always open mm-hmm. to dialoguing and having open discussions about this cuz this is this is kind of what we are being paid to do. Yeah. I mean, went to school for, I mean, like I mean, all the, all the nine yards, you know, Yeah, I mean, if we didn't, I welcome paid a lot questions, of money to really just you know, know how to read this book. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Seriously. If we didn't welcome questions, I don't know. We, we really wasted a lot of time and money. Your degree so, is just a toilet piece of toilet paper. It really is at that point, yeah. you know? So let's dive in. Yeah. 
Today, uh, we are talking about the intolerance of God. And is God intolerant? Uh, and I'm sure you've all heard someone say, I don't believe in God because insert reason, right? Yes. Uh, and, and one of the things that I've heard, uh, and uh, Daniel, mm-hmm. I, I know you've had this yeah. same discussion, is I don't believe in God because the Bible is homophobic. Mm-hmm. The Bible is transphobic. The Bible is intolerant of other perspectives. Um in other worldviews. The Bible is hate speech. The Bible is hate speech. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, we should actually revise our language. We should change what the Bible has to say mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and, and downplay what it's actually saying mm-hmm. uh, in order for it to be more approachable. Yeah. What's actually funny, and this is a side tangent in a totally different podcast, but when you look at the communities that we perceive are saying that, Daniel, you've brought this research to us. Mm-hmm. Those communities actually aren't saying we need to change what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about, yeah, so like the... It's about real, clarity, right? Most of the societies is actually just about clarifying what we actually believe yeah. and being able to respect the yes. differences yes. of belief. Yeah. And honestly, like seeing, I can see why you have that perspective. It's yeah. not the actual like... You need to change. And some would say like they're listening like, well, we need to change certain things. It's more so like um, it's more so just like you need to just clarify what you're actually saying and respect the fact if I disagree. Yeah. Which. Yeah. All humans, we should show that type of grace to one another. Right. In a sense. Yeah. Yeah, Like, you know, we should show that definitionally that that level of tolerance for all people. Mm -hmm. Right. That we respect. Yeah. That we, we respect that you might look at the Bible and be like, I don't think that's true. Yeah. At the end of the day, we can't force you to believe the Bible is right. true. Right. It's just, you know, if you, yeah. <laughs> and that's the beautiful thing about human dignity uh-huh. is human dignity affords you the right to believe whatever you want to. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this is a shout out to one of our buddies. Uh, we, he will remain nameless. Uh-huh. Uh, but hey, the earth has four corners. According to the Bible, earth's got four corners. Man. Oh, <laughs> you man. are absolutely free to believe whatever you want to believe. Hey, whatever <laughs> word for word, man. Man, <laughs> have you ever heard of poetry? <laughs> Figures of speech, maybe. You yeah, know? That is crazy. Anyway, but that's before my, we get into like six other podcasts. Yeah, seriously, yeah, yeah. we've already hit yeah. on like four or five other podcasts yeah. here. But that's that's what the yeah. point is, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we want to tackle for you today: Is God intolerant? Does the Bible actually speak about the, the, the idea that God is actually intolerant mm. of people, of his very creation? Yeah. Um, so before we dive in there, let's actually unpack uh, some of the definitions that we have here. Um, and so let's, let's actually look at, and Daniel, I'd love to hear your perspective mm-hmm. on these two differences. Okay, so let me give you biblically what the traditional definition of tolerance Mm -hmm. is. Uh, And this comes from a book. uh, uh, Sean McDowell and Josh McDowell write a book. It's called The Beauty of Intolerance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so uh, this is setting a generation free to know truth and love. Uh, That's, again, The Beauty of Intolerance by Josh and Sean McDowell. Uh, And here's what they say the traditional definition of tolerance is. It says this. Recognize 
and respect others when you don't share their values, beliefs, and practices. That is the traditional definition of tolerance. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing contemporary in the contemporary culture that we have is a shift in the definition. Here's what we're seeing is the new Mm -hmm. definition that's kind of being pushed Mm -hmm. with the idea of tolerance. Recognize and respect that every individual's values, truth claims, and beliefs, as well as their practices, are equally valid. Mm. So let's dive in there. Yeah. What do you think? I think with the first one, it opens. Okay, this is my. Okay, here's here's where I'll say this. When you look at the first one, it opens up a path to find what the truth is. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you might think that something is true, but you tolerate the fact that somebody else might believe something that you don't believe. Yeah. And you should actually give them respect to listen to it because it might, it might lead you closer to what the truth actually is. Absolutely. That's how we need to process information. Yeah. The second one takes you nowhere. In my opinion, where it takes you is that, yes, you respect other people's opinion, but to say that all of this is as valuable as the rest means how are we ever going to find the truth? Every uh, all these thought processes, it all becomes subjective when the point of this is that the reason we struggle through all these different views is that we all want to come eventually to the objective truth. What truly is the truth? But with the second view, it's all about accepting the fact that some other person's opinion is as true as yours. Yes. But that would ask the question, what is truth? Yeah. What really is true? Absolutely. And to me, that just makes it all sound more confusing than (laughs) let's respect each other and just try to realize how this directs us closer to the truth. Absolutely. And what's (laughs) funny is, is that the moment you say, uh, well, let's, let's dive into that. Hey, Uh let's think about this, you know, you get, and we'll quickly touch on this. If you ever say to somebody, hey, do you think that truth is true for everyone everywhere always? Or do you Mm -hmm. think somebody can create their own truth? Mm -hmm. Almost always in our culture, they'll say, oh, yeah, people can make their own truth. Mm -hmm. And then you say, well, is that true for everyone Mm -hmm. everywhere always that they can make their own truth? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're like, uh, wait, well, yeah, I guess that I guess that would be true. Okay, so then we can agree that there are some objective truths. Mm hmm. And you, cause you just, yeah. you just said there was one yeah. that everybody can make their own truth. Mm-hmm. And and then they That's, start and they're like, well, I don't necessarily believe that. And they go, okay, well, let's go with morals. Right. Mm-hmm. And cause then this is really what's getting to the heart of what we're yeah. talking about here is morals. Right. The idea is, is that you have to tolerate or accept my actions, my behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So then you would then agree that anybody can be racist. Mm-hmm. And that should be okay with you. You shouldn't stand up to racism because racism is somebody else's. You should else's. have to tolerate. You should have to tolerate that. Mm-hmm. And you should be okay with it. And so, hey, yep, that's you. You do you and you be you be racist. Mm-hmm. But anybody would say, no, you can't be racist. Mm-hmm. So then you go with the time question. Was it ever okay to be racist? And some people are like, yeah, it was okay. And you'd be like, so it was at one Culturally. point. In, but even still, let's even go there. Culturally, maybe, yeah, okay. Let's say culturally, but but even culturally at that time, was it okay to be racist? Was it okay to um, uh, to uh, denigrate and discriminate against somebody based solely well, on even skin based color? Based off one culture 
in American society because the culture of slaves yes. did not like the racism. Exactly. And actually, racism is a term that exists to describe what yes. slavery was. Yes. Says, you know, it, it, so even in the culture of America, there was different cultures and different people yes. that believed yes. that's not okay. Yes. So you <laughs> would have to say, hey, we're not going to tear down any more of these statues of the Confederate army mm-hmm. because, well, it was okay for them. Mm-hmm. And we would look back and be like, absolutely not. Yeah. It was wrong to dehumanize humans. It's uh-huh. de- it's just wrong to do that. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I think with that, the one thing I'll, I'll say with that yeah. is that we often, when going to these conversations, when I think about that, when you go to the extreme, if you're listening and we just said that and you're like, well, yeah, like, obviously I yeah. wouldn't go that yeah. far. Yeah. So, okay. Where do you get your line from? Yeah. Where's the standard then? Where's the standard? Yeah, and that's actually, I love what you're bringing up here because that actually brings in this idea of intent mm-hmm. or telos, right? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose of the standard, right? Where does this definition of tolerance mm-hmm. get it? Is it just out there someplace? Yeah. Did, it, did we just fabricate that or was there an actual intent in creating that definition, mm-hmm. right? Was it, do humans have a purpose? Do humans have and, and every worldview has to answer that question. Yeah. And so, so again, I, lo- I love what you're bringing up there because we're gonna we're gonna jump into that. So yeah. we've we've tackled two things, right? We've tackled the definition of intolerance, mm-hmm. uh, the actual proper definition. Then we've tackled the cultural definition, and we kind of showed mm-hmm. the issues with those two. Culturally, it leads you nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual definition allows us to kind of land with. Mm-hmm. Well, it was always wrong to be racist, and yeah. we can't ever say that in the future it will be right to be racist at some point. Because it's not. It's <laughs> never going to be, right? There yeah. will never be a time when it is okay for me to appre- oppress a person based solely on their ethnicity. So let's jump into this idea because, uh, again, it's about it's about helping us understand Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so when God steps into the biblical narrative at the very beginning you have genesis 1 mm-hmm. in the beginning god yeah right he creates everything he sets the foundations of the earth he puts the lights in the sky the sun and the moon and at that the sons of god celebrate mm-hmm. it's what job even says right mm-hmm. um i mean there's all of these passages okay okay so so if god is the initial cause of all things right there's this idea out there that God is a narcissist. Mm. And so, so what, what is a narcissist? Mm. Do you have, do you have uh, a, a definition for us, Daniel? I'll just look it up real quick. Mm. Um, to give you this idea, I was, I was doing some research this morning, but Matthew would give you a more like concrete, like straightforward definition. But from all that I've been given is that a narcissistic consists of a person that focuses purely inwardly yeah. in themselves. They focus purely on themselves. Yep. They have a lack of empathy towards others. Yep. They are very pretty at their core selfish. They yeah. think of their self. Their intentions yeah. are for themselves. Yeah. That's why they have a lack of empathy for other people because whatever they're going through, if they're not serving them, right. they, they, they don't care. Yeah. They act out of selfishness. They act out of pride. Right. But ultimately, this is something I read, is that um, 
a narcissist acts out of an inward shame of emptiness in themselves mm. and for their life wants to use others to fill the emptiness that yep. they hate within themselves so yeah, badly. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what's interesting is, uh, is because the, a narcissist, based on uh, uh, from Oxford languages, uh, this is literally I just typed this into Google, mm. a person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it goes even further than selfishness. Mm-hmm. Like my two-year-old, he's selfish, mm-hmm. right? He wants something and so he takes it. Yeah. We are selfish. Mm-hmm. But to say that God is a narcissist means that there is something that he just, man, he just really loves himself. Mm-hmm. And he loves himself so much, he thinks you should love him too. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, yeah. so like that's a, that's a big statement mm-hmm. to say that God is a narcissist because God, yeah. and, and I can see where they get it, right? Yeah. I mean, God does demand worship. He does. He demands you to worship him. Yep. He demands you to live a life according to his ways. Yep. His standards. His his standards. His um his principles. Mm-hmm. Um, he he demands you to be like him. Yep. Yep. He does demands you to tell other people about him. Yep. So, sounds like God really just you know, just loves himself a lot. Yeah. But, well, to, well, hold on before we resolve this tension, go continue with what you're saying. No, no, no. Okay. What up? What I was saying is that it also seems like when people don't fall into a line of this, they face a certain type of punishment. Oh, yeah. They face consequences. Yeah. They face emptiness. Yeah. That it almost feels as though that God has abandoned them. Yeah. That because I haven't followed some rules, because I haven't followed some ways, right. God's just going to leave me. Yeah. And that's, and that's genuinely what mm-hmm. Satan even says mm-hmm. in Genesis 3, right? So Genesis 3, God's created the garden. You've got these two different distinct narratives of Genesis 1 and Genesis, Genesis 2. They follow uh, a particular interpretive scheme where God creates and fills, and then God creates the whole thing, and the whole thing is done. And then you zoom in like a microscope even closer into Genesis 2, and you see the details of that creation, mm-hmm. and then Genesis 3 hits. And the very first words of Genesis 3, verse 1, are, Now the serpent was shrewder than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, this is the serpent talking, Is it really true that God said you must not eat from any tree of the orchard, of the garden? Mm -hmm. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit from the trees of the orchard, uh, but concerning the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the orchard, God said, you must not eat from it and you must not touch it or else you will die. Mm-hmm. And, and then he says, says it, the serpent said to the woman, surely you will not die for God knows. This is the first moment that God is depicted as a narcissist. Mm-hmm. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and, uh, and you will be like him. A narcissist wants no one else to be like him. Mm-hmm. A narcissist wants to be the top dog, mm-hmm. wants to be the number one head honcho. Yeah. And no one else better even try to step in on this. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Mark Driscoll's uh, The Rise and Try. No, Rise, the rise and, and Fall, fall of, of Mars Hill. Mars Hill. He, he's on there saying at one point, he says, you know, uh, uh, going places is, a hard, is hard. He says something along the lines of a bus, right? Yeah. So you better get on the bus or get out or get off the bus, but make sure you're not in the way because we're going to leave a, bo- a pile of bodies behind the bus as yeah. we go. Mm-hmm. That's a narcissist. Yeah. Like you yeah. better get on, mm-hmm. get on board with my vision mm-hmm. and my mission. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I'm going to end you. Yeah. 
that's pretty wild. Yeah. And that's what that's what the devil's community like God doesn't want you to be like him at all. Yeah. Um even though going to j- so this is what's crazy about this is that clearly what we're seeing here is that God and the devil what's the difference? Oh man, they're at incredible odds with each other. Because what does the devil want from us? Well, he wants us to follow his ways. Yes. He wants us to worship him. Yes. He wants us to um turn away yeah. from different things. Yeah. He wants us to give us his attention. Yes. Yeah. Wants us to pursue uh worldly things. Yeah. So, or, or things that are in darkness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and so here's where this gets fun is if you jump over to Matthew f- uh, chapter 4, uh, you can also find this exact same story in Mark chapter 1 and uh, Luke chapter mm-hmm. 4 as well. And here's what you find. I, w- I want to just read you the end here um, because at the end of uh, – or uh, let me just – let me get you, get you here. Um, uh, this is what he says at the very – this is the very last temptation. And this is verse. This eight. is when Jesus is being tempted yes, in Jesus the desert. Is by tempt- the, yes. This is after Jesus' baptism. He went into the desert and was fasting for forty days, yes, for forty nights. Um, this is he has this interaction with the devil. Yes. So what we're talking to you guys is that we're laying this out for you that this narrative is being approached that there's not much of a difference between God and the devil, right. but we're actually seeing this matchup yes, right, now. right now, the intentions of the devil yes. and the intention of <laughs> Jesus fully incarnate God himself. Yes. Read it for us. Yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> so he's been tempted twice, uh, tempted with a, a physical need and then, uh, tempted with a, uh, 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 a pushing of a spiritual desire to test God. And both times, God, Jesus responds with scripture, and then this happens. Verse 8, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their grandeur. And he said to him, I think this is so interesting. I will give you all these things. How, is this, how does the devil have authority to do that? Jesus never questions him in that moment Mm -hmm. because when Adam and Eve took the fruit, we gave him the authority of this world Mm -hmm. because we were supposed to have that authority. So Satan actually, the devil actually has the authority to give Jesus all of this. Yeah. He actually has, this is not a lie. Satan is speaking in, in absolute authority to be able to give Jesus all of these things. And he says, I will give you all of these things. If you throw yourself down to the ground and worship me. Mm. Then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, you are to worship the Lord, your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and the angels came and began ministering to his needs. Mm. Man, you pointed this out today um, about the distinction between Mm -hmm. Jesus and, and, and the devil. This distinction right here reveals to you how Jesus is not a narcissist and the devil is the true nature of narcissism. Yes. I credit this to um, uh, Lisa Turkhurst. She has a podcast called Therapy and Theology, and she has this episode um, talking about what is narcissism. Oh, man. Um, And she lays this out, and this is one thing I want to— We'll actually put that link in the show notes. 
like you guys got to listen to this because this is one of the greatest things. A narcissist, because they are so empty on the inside and they they need people's to fill them. They not only demand a stage, but they also demand an audience. Mm. So they not only need to be placed on a higher ground that they know they don't deserve, but they also need an audience to be able to watch them, listen Mm. to them, to fill them up. And what you're seeing right here, straight right in front of you, is that Satan is offering Jesus a stage and an audience. He's offering him, man, like, I'm going to give you everything that you could want in this world. Mm. And oh my gosh, I'm getting so excited. The whole reason he came, he's he's offering him everything he can. Offering him everything. And when Jesus denies this, you have to realize, because Jesus, Jesus was building a stage for himself that we would all stand on with him. That Jesus came onto this earth to die for us, to sacrifice for us, not so that, not to manipulate us, not to put us into this, um, this way of thinking that we were like a narcissist would, um, but Jesus made these sacrifices because he was building a internal kingdom that we could all share in his glory with for eternity. Mm. And the devil was promoting to Jesus a kingdom where there was no sharing. Mm. There was just slavery. Yeah. There was just, you are pawns in my hand, and I'm going to pretty much do with you as I will. I want this because I want to be who God is. And this comes into the thing. Jesus is the supreme being, meaning in itself that God cannot be a narcissist because he is the only actual one that is deserving of worship. He is the only actual one that is the creator of the very ground that we step on, the very breath in our lungs, the very image that we have, Jesus himself. But yet, even with that, he died for us. As we go into this next one, we just want to preference to you guys yeah. that this one is going to have some graphic descriptions, some hard passage, passages yeah. to wrestle with, and some real realities of certain cultures and things that were going on in this world yeah. in an hysterical, a historical time period. Yeah. Um, this might disgust you, what yeah. we talk about. Um, this might not you, be the best thing to listen to with kids under the age of 16, uh, under the age of probably sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, so if you're listening with your first through fifth grader, I would wildly encourage you to let your fourth, fifth and sixth grader listen to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to be up to you. Uh, we are going to be talking about some really heavy stuff. So, yeah, what we're going to talk about is some people would say that I cannot believe in God because he is a genocider. Yeah. He is a, a maniacal uh, genocider. He is evil. He wipes out people. Mm-hmm. He For nothing else other than that they are not his chosen people. They're not his chosen mm-hmm. people. And just because they make a few mistakes. Yep. A few mistakes. They deserve to be wiped yep. out they completely. Were, they were a different culture. They were a different culture. They just lived differently. Yeah. Well, you know what, Matthew? Let's get into it. Yeah, How did these people live? Yeah, so um, this is... Uh, 
I, I will do my best to not choke up while I talk about this because it does actually infuriate mm-hmm. me uh, to talk about the brokenness that is mm-hmm. uh, that was going on in this space. And so uh, this idea is that we see in uh, the Bible that God oftentimes commands, he actually commands mm-hmm. the complete and total annihilation of people, mm-hmm. of people groups. Yeah. Now, we have to be very precise with our language mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it is not necessarily just because of a particular ethnicity or people group mm-hmm. that they are being annihilated. And so we, we are going to unpack that a little bit. But what we have to really understand here is that God was demonstrating his graciousness to these people. And that mm-hmm. in Genesis, uh, he says to Abraham, who's walking in the land, mm-hmm. He says to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. And Abraham's like, well, why can't I just have it now? Hmm. And God says, because the transgressions, the sins of the Amorites are not, are not complete yet. Hmm. Which means that God was waiting to do what he was about to do. Mm-hmm. And so this is really important because God is not a God this is literally what uh, Exodus uh, 34, 6 through 7 says, that God is slow to anger, mm-hmm. full of abounding love and compassion, mm-hmm. and that he is loyal to those who obey his commands. But he will not withhold judgment on those who disobey mm. his commands. Yeah. And so, so the question really is, is, does God commit genocide or is he acting for a different cause. Mm. And I would, uh, we can put these resources uh, in the show notes, but Clay Jones has a book, uh, Why Does God Allow Evil? It is an incredible book. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, and he talks about, and he put out some articles on his website about Canaanite, the Canaanites. And this is the people group that God says needs to go in and be destroyed. So we're, this is a biblical engagement passage. So let's jump over to Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 20, there's actually a couple of places where this is said, but I want you to really see in Deuteronomy chapter 20, what we're talking about. Now, this is a really long passage. It's actually the entirety of the passage. So I'll, I'll summarize it for you here. But in chapter 20, you have, it's broken into two sections. Chapter 20 verses one through 15 is a dialogue about what to do with enemies Mm -hmm. in a distant land. Hmm. And you know, what's never said to go and annihilate them. What's actually said is that you are to offer them peace Mm -hmm. first. And then if they reject you, then you go to war with them. Mm -hmm. But then the next section, 16 through 20, this is what it says. As for the cities of these people that the Lord your God is going to give you as an inheritance, you must not allow a single living thing to survive. Mm. Verse 17. Instead, you must utterly annihilate them. The Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, just as the Lord your God has commanded you, mm. so that they cannot teach you all the abhorrent ways they worship Mm -hmm. their gods Mm -hmm. causing you to sin against the Lord, your God. Yeah. And then it talks about exactly what you'll do. You'll besiege their cities for a long time while attempting to capture it. 
Be mm-hmm. generous to the land around you, but destroy them is essentially where he lands. Yep. But did you hear it? Mm-hmm. Has nothing to do with their ethnicity. No. Has everything to do with their worship. Mm-hmm. And how that might influence. Like notice there, there's that like, if you look into the Old Testament, guys, this is real. When God's people would get off the track, it was mostly because they entered into other cities and indulged themselves in their practices. I can speak very clearly while they are just leaving Mount Sinai and they're going on the path to the promised land. They went and the men went to the the land of the Moabites and were pretty much seduced and pretty much began to have sex with women that weren't their wives. They started to worship false gods. And this was very detestable practices and it corrupted. Uh, 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 No, what was his name? Phineas. Phineas. Went in and the command by God from Phineas was go in and take out these Israelites pretty much. 3,000 people. 3,000 people because they had become so corrupt because they begin practicing those things. Like literally days after leaving Mount Sinai. Days after leaving. And God has given this warning to them. Yes. And we have to realize something here is that I want to ask you this question. If God doesn't ask for that to happen and he's offered them peace and he's shown them the right way, all of those Israelites come back into God's people camp and begin to influence them and begin to trick them. And then who makes it to the promised land? Exactly. And it's like the same people that they're trying to drive out mm -hmm. the exact same culture, the exact same, all of those things that they're trying to, that they're trying to drive out. Mm -hmm. They just replace themselves. Yep. So exactly what you're talking about, Daniel, is this idea that you cannot allow this almost, you can't be tolerant of this influence coming in and taking your Mm -hmm. worship away from God. Now we're going to be beginning to go deeper into some of these practices and begin talking about what actually was going on for these groups of people that God called the annihilation for. What were these people actually doing? And Matthew, I know that you have some sources on this. I I do. And uh, I just want to give a quick disclaimer. Uh, This is not going to be uh, a section that you're going to want to have your children sit and listen with you. On. Uh, if you're a high school student, you've heard most of this probably on TikTok or have Googled most of it. So mm-hmm. I'm sure this won't come as a, uh, necessarily a surprise to a lot of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the type of things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're talking about uh, issues within sexuality, issues uh, around uh, harming children, issues around... Um, bestiality uh, mm-hmm. and I do mean the idea of having sex with beasts and animals mm-hmm. um, and that's that's just just touching that's not including the idolatry and the mm-hmm. worship of other gods and all mm-hmm. of those things although the idolatry was what they claimed was causing them to do those things uh, and so this is again uh, I'd encourage you guys to be ready to have hard conversations with the audience that you are talking that are listening with you uh, so if that's your kids uh, I understand uh, there will be a disclaimer uh, on this particular episode um, uh, because it, it is it's not going to get graphic and that I'm not going to go into any details but it is going to be hard to talk about mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so Clay Jones is 
uh, who where a lot of my resources are coming from, and he uh, is uh, wrote a bunch of papers. Uh, this is actually published in the the Journal of uh, Philosophia Christi in Volume Eleven, uh, Number One, and two, back in two thousand nine. And this is literally what it's called: "We don't hate sin, so we don't understand what happened to the Canaanites." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an addendum to the divine genocide argument, and it's the idea that God committed divine genocide. Um, and so that's where he go here, where he's going, and he unpacks a lot of what we're talking about here. Um, and so you can see uh, where God tells Israel in Deuteronomy nine verse five uh, that it was not because of Israel's righteousness or integrity or uh, anything that God is cho- choosing these mm-hmm. people. But this is actually what it says. It's on account of the wickedness of the nations mm. that he was going into doing what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, and that's a huge, that's super important to what we see here. Um, so let me, uh, if I may, just talk briefly and quickly about the Canaanite people. Uh, this was actually a group of people. Uh, it was a, a bunch of people. They were described as the Hizzites, the Jebusites, the um, Perizzites, the Amorites, um, and then the Canaanites. Mm-hmm. Um, and these were the people group who were supposed to be annihilated. Mm-hmm. Um, and Daniel, you rightfully said that they were supposed to be annihilated because of their worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, and God was telling Israel, be very careful. Do not intermarry with them. Don't allow your children to be mm-hmm. influenced by them because they will drive you to do the abominable thing, abominable things that I am actually sending you in yeah. to destroy them for. Mm-hmm. So we covered that in part one. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me, uh, I mean, they were doing, this is another thing. Uh, incest was rampant in that mm-hmm. time frame. Uh, bestiality, adultery. Um, and then the most abhorrent of them all. Mm-hmm. If those aren't bad enough, the most abhorrent of all of these things was child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And some people have said, oh, well, we're not really sure if they truly did do that. And Clay Jones uh, picks up on that. And he says this. In fact, we have independent evidence that child sacrifice was practiced in the Canaanite world. Mm-hmm. And this is from many classical sources, Punic inscriptions and archaeological evidence, as well as Egyptian descriptions of the rituals occurring in Syria, Pal- Syria Palestine, mm-hmm. and from a recent, uh, this is from a recent discover uh, discovery in the Phoenician inscription in Turkey. Mm-hmm. There is therefore no reason to doubt the biblical testimony to Canaanite child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And this is the hard part: is that what would happen is the Moloch was a Canaanite underworld deity. And it was represented as an upright, bull-headed idol with a human body in whose belly a fire was stoked. And in whose outstretched arms a child was placed and would be burned to death. It was not just unwanted children who were sacrificed. Plutarch, uh, this is a, a historian uh, from that time frame, uh, reports uh, from the, the Greek time frame, reports that during the Phoenician Canaanite sacrifices, the whole area before the statue was filled with loud noise, loud noises of flutes and drums, so that the cries of the wailing children should not reach the ears of the people. 
And it was not just infants. Children as old as four were sacrificed. This is really hard for me to read. Uh, because I just can't imagine a level of evil that would be done. Uh, before we started this podcast, Daniel, you and I were uh, bantering back and forth, and you had said that, uh, I, I can't remember how you said it, but you said that this level of evil requires action. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I, I think you even said, if any country was practicing these things, we would be like, fire up the Navy, get the aircraft. Something and, must and be done. Something must be done. And we would be like, annihilate these people. Mm-hmm. And yet, we think that the Canaanites were just another people group that God just didn't like, and that's not what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clay Jones and I'll I'll put the I'll put these articles in the show notes for you guys to do your own research. You can read the, mm-hmm. you read the, your own stuff. He actually describes from a physician what would actually happen to a child mm-hmm. that was placed in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you what. I probably would have joined in willingly with the Israelites to do what was done to these people uh, because this was not a family no. community. No, Women were used for whatever they should be used for. Young children were used for whatever their desires were. Mm-hmm. The men had all of the power. You want to talk about oppression, this, American Gen Z people. This was the as deep most, as it gets. It is as deep as it gets. Uh, Anything that could be used for sexual gratification was used for sexual gratification. Anything. 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 Men, women, children, slaves, uh, foreigners. You walk through this town. You see this in Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. When the angels go to get Lot, they bang on his door and they say, let these men come out so we can do what we want to them. Mm -hmm. Like this is a people group who are absolutely deplorable. They are the most Mm -hmm. subhuman you can get. Yeah. This is not because they were Canaanites. This is not because they were a different people group. This is because of how they worshipped. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. des- it it demanded action. Yeah. And that's heavy. And as you guys listen to that, I want you guys to really take a step and think about that, that when we saw such great acts of evil and God showed his mercy to people and God wouldn't do these things immediately, these weren't because these weren't this this annihilation weren't for nations that just made a few mistakes or were falling short or getting away. Or even when we look at the new Testament and we see Paul write to certain churches Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. you are not running the race. Well, we're not even talking about that level. We are talking about to the point of such evilness that it needed to be eradicated. And I want to point this out to everybody Yeah, because a lot of people talk about God's judgment. Yeah. At no point, and this is till this day, is the consequence for sin, not death. Correct. It has always been the consequence. Always. Why do you think when we saw the flood, why was that? The society was so evil and so so corrupt that only one man was found righteous. Every intent of the human heart was towards evil. So much so that it grieved God's spirit. It like grieved him. 
that he made. He literally says, "I in my spirit regrets mm-hmm. making these humans." And it's this is to the evil extent, and the only way to get back to where because we have to look at this thing. God's decisions have always been to get us back to His heart, mm-hmm. to get humanity back to His purpose, yeah. to co-rule and, with Him. And right now, we will be listening, and people will say. Well, that's a, well, I get that. But why doesn't God do that today? How does God let evil societies live today? Why mm-hmm. does God let do that? Because there was a man named Jesus that came onto this earth and paid the price for these sins. Yeah. He eradic- He took on sin and washed. You got to see this. These are cleansings. Yeah. A lot of people say, oh, these are evil. No, God is cleansing evil yeah. out of this world. Yeah. And when Jesus did for us, cleansed the evil yeah. of this world. That yeah. is, that he paid the price for all this sin. And guess what? When Jesus comes back one day, he will do the ultimate cleansing. Yeah. He will. And yeah. all evil will all be eradicated. Evil. Yes. But because of his price right now, we can actually turn our hearts towards him, be yeah. washed of the sinful yeah. nature, and come into freedom with him but that's only because jesus died right because the holiness of god demands perfection and jesus was the perfect sacrifice and actually uh to do a shameless plug Mm -hmm. for the bible project hey if you guys ever want to come on here for an interview just let us know hey yo timmy we'll be we'll gladly love you buddy (laughs) they do an episode on the holiness of god it's a beautiful episode and they actually talk about how a lot isaiah Mm -hmm. is commissioned and a, a piece of coal touches his lips and he is made holy Mm-hmm. There's this idea in the Old Testament that things you were made unclean or unholy if you touched something that was clean or unholy mm-hmm. or unpure. Well, this is the first point of something else coming and touching somebody mm-hmm. and making them holy. Yep. Well, then fast forward and they do this beautifully. I'm butchering it here on this podcast because you can't see it. They do it beautifully with a video. Jesus goes around. Touching all of the things that the, com- the the law said would make you unclean, and Yet he makes them clean. Clean, <laughs> and it's it's amazing because he is coming in the holiness of God, which is why when he stands against the devil, mm-hmm. he is purifying himself. He he is saying, no, 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 no. I am the supreme. I am the. I am doing what the first Adam should have done, mm-hmm. and I am going to represent what it means to have authority on this earth as humans should have had authority. And so mm-hmm. then the question then becomes, well, why isn't God calling up armies to go and eradicate people today, like you said? Well, actually, it's because he sent his Holy Spirit. Yep. And it's because, yeah, he paid the price of sin. Mm-hmm. And he called us to live as humans all to ultimately should live with the authority given to us at, at creation. Mm-hmm. And that's why you should stand up to dictators yep. and tyranny mm-hmm. and oppression. And you should stand up for the widow. Yep. And the orphan, uh-huh. and, and that's and that's why the early church in Rome, women and and people would walk through the fields to pick up unwanted children because mm-hmm. that's what they did back then. Yep, they didn't have the convenience of not looking at their child mm-hmm. as they killed them. Mm-hmm. They had the convenience, uh, they had the inconvenience of having to take their child or giving their child to a mm-hmm. servant and go put it in a field so it will starve to death. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. That's what men and yeah. women did. They walked through the fields to pick up the screaming children who were mm-hmm. starving to death to care for them, mm-hmm. the unwanted. And, yeah, and to kind of land this plane yeah. on this point, because we could keep going we and could. going, is that what we need to realize is that what this shows is that, yes, if you isolate these circumstances where God 
calls for the annihilation of people, you could question God's character. You could yeah. wonder, man, God is evil. God yeah. is all these things. But when you put them into context yes. and you realize the difference of, well, I would say pre, um, pre-Christ on this earth, death yeah. and resurrection, sending of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and you see that the way that the God's character does not change Ever. from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Yeah. But God's character is still sustained through what Jesus did for Correct. us. I hope that makes a lot of sense yeah. is that these cleansing, these annihilations were to bring people back to God's purpose. But now because of what Christ did, we now, well, how do you cleanse things? How do you stop the evil in this world? We tell people about Jesus. We serve like Jesus did. Jesus becomes the mirror of our lives. And we ask, how? what is God going to do to solve all this evil in the world? He already has. He has sent his son to die for us. Yes. So we point others to him. Yes. You wonder why sharing the gospel is so important. Oh my goodness. You wonder why going into other nations that where there are Christians that will go to nations where they can be killed. Yes. Because they know the only hope for those nations to yes. stop being evil, to stop doing the evil things that they yes. are doing. The only hope for us Americans to stop doing the evil they did yes. do can only be found in Jesus. Correct. And this is just to land the plane. God is not a genocidal uh, maniac, maniac dictator maniac yeah. yeah and here's why we've only talked about the Canaanites and we need to really make sure this is very clear yeah God does the exact same thing to his own people oh yeah in second Kings I know what you're about to read 21 Woo. verse 9 I'll actually give you the context verse 8 and 9 this is what it says uh I will not make Israel again leave the land I gave to their ancestors, provided that they carefully obey all I commanded them. The whole law my servant Moses ordered them to obey. They could have stayed. Mm -hmm. Everything was fine. And here's the problem. But they did not obey. And the king at the time was Manasseh. He was a horrible king. Manasseh misled them so that they sinned Here's what's key. More than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed from before the Israelites. The very nations who Israel came to destroy for their conduct, Israel is described here by God mm-hmm. as doing, the, doing worse than that na- those nations. And so uh, the Lord announced through his servant, the prophets, King Manasseh of Judah has committed horrible sins. He has sinned more than the Amorites before him and has encouraged Judah to sin by worshiping his disgusting idols. And he goes on to say that they even, it goes on, furthermore, Manasseh killed so many innocent people. He stained Jerusalem with their blood from end to end in addition to encouraging Judah to sin by doing sin, by doing evil in the sight of the Lord. It has come full circle. Mm -hmm. Everybody has, anything is used for whatever they want it to be used for and children, the innocent, are being killed. Mm -hmm. But this isn't the Amorites. Mm -hmm. This is Israel. Yep. Yep. And then what do you see happen? Babylon, Persia, the Greeks, Rome, all come in and all occupied Judah and Israel. And God has warned the people warned as them. they're doing this over, over and over over and over. You go read minor prophets. You go read the prophets. If you want to just a quick one, just read the minor prophets and yes. you'll see God just warn Constantly. his people over and yes. over again. And this is not a God who is quick to anger. Yeah. 
because a genocider would just look at immediately we'll get into this but like yeah. a dictator as soon as someone disobeys kill him done but god man even just pleaded please yes. please stop just don't do just this please stop he sent people yeah. to talk to them and then when they went and talked to them you see this jeremiah they get mad at the people <laughs> they get mad at the guy Jeremiah's like, guys, you need you need to stop doing this. Like, don't you understand? Turn away from your evil ways and repent and come back to the Lord. And they put the dude in stocks and chains and say, well, go go prophesy somebody else, someplace else. And he's like, trust me, I would if I could. <laughs> and for and for God to be just, yeah, he had to do this. Yes. And here's what this gets really cool: is read Isaiah 52, uh, 52 and 53. Yeah. Uh, and you will see how God vindicates and justifies. And it is described 700 years before that one person would come and do exactly what's described. That in verse in Isaiah 9, you see to us a, to us a child is born, born, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. And then 53 or 52, 13 through 53 verse 12 gives you exactly what will happen. I can't believe in the Bible. I can't be a Christian. I can't follow God because all I see is God as dictator. Mm. There are 613 rules in all of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 613 laws. God is a killjoy. God is a cosmic cop. Uh, I mean, just look at Leviticus. We shouldn't even be cutting our hair if we're going to follow the law. Mm-hmm. Man, I'll tell you what. I cannot follow God because I cannot follow a dictator. Man. What do well, you do with that? I, yeah. I mean, I think it really depends on like what you view sin to be. Yeah. What you view to be good versus yeah. evil. Yeah. But ultimately, okay, let's ask this before we get anything. Yeah. What's a dictatorship, Matthew? Yeah. Narcissism and dictator are very closely connected, yeah. but they are different. Uh huh. Dictator, a narcissist can be anybody. Yeah. A narcissist, like literally, you could be listening to this podcast and you want other people to worship you. Uh, you want to be the biggest, baddest, greatest mm-hmm. thing, but you don't have the authority to be that. Uh-huh. A dictator, on the other hand, he has that authority. They have that authority. They We're have, thinking, think of Stalin. It. Yep, Stalin, uh, uh, Hitler, Hitler, um, Mao in China. Uh, mm-hmm. You have, um, I mean, you just uh, Google dictators, just, dictatorships, and you'll find them. Uh, yeah. Usually, and this is what's ironic, usually they find themselves in communist countries. Normally, 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 so woo communism. Okay. <laughs> but um, and so that's a that's a uh, that's a problem. Uh, yeah. Because usually what happens is they are dictatorial and that they demand that you follow mm-hmm. a certain set of ways or rules. And if you step out of line, zap, you're, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Uh, you get thrown in the gulags of Russia. You get yeah. thrown in. Uh, you get tortured in China. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and actually, these are usually pretty ethnically driven, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, it can be, uh, it can be. Uh, uh, that's fascism, also, yeah. right? Fascism is a, yeah. is another form of that, and that one ethnic group runs and leads everything, or yeah. one even religious group runs and leads everything, uh, and so. Yeah. So what you're saying is that in 
just to summarize that, is yeah. that a narcissist is somebody that wants that type of thing and yeah. will probably deeply manipulate and affect groups of people, yep. may, probably just a few people. Yeah. But a dictator is a narcissist with all the authority yeah. and does to people because they want even more power. They want, they want it to even a, a godlike a extent almost. Almost, yeah. 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 And so that's, uh, that's the, the, the problem that yeah. you see. And so what we see is the argument is, well, God is a mm -hmm. ruler. Mm -hmm. God has the authority to demand those mm -hmm. things. And then does and mm -hmm. makes 613 laws mm -hmm. and then goes and zaps people for not following. Mm -hmm. uh, let me give you one. Uh, you see this with, um, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm spacing on his name in um, Joshua verse 7 or mm -hmm. chapter 7. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm going to cut this out because that way then you all think that I know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but Joshua chapter 7 is what is this guy's name? I can't believe I can't remember. Um, oh, Achan. That's his name. I knew it started with an A. Achan sin, right? Achan, uh, God commands them to go and annihilate this whole city, mm -hmm. uh, and he holds on to some of the plunder and hides mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And then his entire family is swallowed up by the by uh, mm -hmm. by the by the ground. Mm. That sounds pretty dictatorial to me. That sounds pretty, pretty <laughs> bad. <you know? laughs> so what do we do with this? Mm. Man. Pause for a second. Yeah. I just want to collect my thoughts. Yeah. Mm, what was I about to go into? Okay. Ready? Yeah. <sighs> so what do we do with this? Yeah. You know, I think about it like this way. When you guys think about this, I think a lot of people feel about this. Like if we got teenagers listening. We yeah. have people. You think about it like, man, I really want to go out with my friends tonight. Yeah. And this is what I want to do. This is what I desire to do. And my parents are stopping me from doing what I want and what I desire. Yeah. This is a lot of times how we see God's laws. This is how we understand it. And it's a whole separate podcast for we to go talk about, because I'm sure some people think, what about the cultural laws? What yeah. about like the things we, yeah. what, we do cut our hair and yeah. all that. That's all separate. Laws? The civil yeah. laws or the moral laws, yeah. you know, yeah. we'll get into that. We'll, sure. we're definitely talking about that in another podcast, but I, I want to point this out is that when you think about God's law in that way, is that is some parent that's telling you like, I want to go do this. I want to go have fun. But um, they're not allowing me to do that. That's often how we see these things. Um, and that's how we see the dictatorship of God. Yeah. But that's not God's mentality towards this. And that's not what scripture tells us. Um, what do you often, you'll hear these scriptures all the time. God, give me the desires of your heart. Ooh, yeah. The whole point of us following Jesus is what do we tell you guys is that we want to be like Christ. Right. We actually have a series where we talk about authenticity. And one mm -hmm. of our statements is that we are made in the image of God. Absolutely. And therefore, that is how that is our authentic self is yeah. who we are in Christ. And what that also means is that anything outside of God's design is inauthentic. Yes. It's actually false. Right. So let's press on that real quick, because a dictator does not care whether you think what they're doing is right or wrong. Right. They're just saying, this is what I believe. You have to fall in line. What God is saying and what he is offering is saying that, no, no, no. Like you have to realize like these rules are so that you can be like me. 
yes. so that you can follow me, so that yes. you can actually be free yes. of slavery, that you can yes. be free of the chains and the emptiness that you yeah. feel. And I heard this from, man, I actually heard this on a TikTok by some dude, yes. and he was talking about his journey with sin and thinking yeah. about it. And he said how I used to think sin was what I wanted to do, but I had to deny myself to do. That's how I viewed it. But then I realized sin was a sign of what I shouldn't desire to do. And God was offering me a life that actually was fulfilling, that actually should be the desires. That was authentic. That was authentic. So to get onto this point of God as a dictatorship, many will sit there and be like, well, okay, so God just wants me to fall into line into his rules. That's still dictatorship. God isn't tolerant of what I want to do. And I and I hear that from you. But that would assume that God has never let anybody go. Yeah. That he hasn't let anybody break right. the rules. Right. And the thing is, if you think God is a dictator, then you don't believe that God gives grace because it would be And I want to the passage I want to go to is Romans 1:24 through 27. In this passage, it's talking about, if you look at the beginning of 18, it's actually talking about God's wrath against mankind. Um, and we kind of got into that a little bit ago. But let, let me just read this verse to you guys real quick. It's talking about um, God's people and how they glorified themselves and they turned away from God's heart and they were making um, images, making idols, all those things. And it says this. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Therefore, God gave them over. Mm. So this is a specific thing. More specifically, this is talking about the sin of sexual immorality. But when we look at this, this lens of what God is doing here, we have to think about it that Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart, meaning that God saw that their hearts were so far gone that they desired their sin greater than him. Then he says, I'm going to hand you over. A dictator does not hand anybody over. And then ultimately, that's that's the love and grace of God is that Uh he will give you over to your desires. That you could have actually lived a different way. Yeah. Completely away from God. And he will actually like the prodigal son. When you come home, he would actually come running after you and say, come back home, come be with me. You know, my grace is sufficient for you. And some of you might even be asking the question, well, doesn't God sending them to hell mean he's still that dictator? Yeah. That he's still just putting them away. Well, no, because what you would assume there is that while God created the capability for us to sin, yeah. you would then say that God created sin itself, that God created the very thing that leads to death. Yeah. But God did not introduce that into the world. No. We introduced yeah. that into the world. Yeah. So when you look at that and you might ask that question, God is actually offering you a path that is saving you yeah. from the very death that yeah. humanity is leading you to. Yeah. And just to make sure that doesn't go over anybody's heads or I know that's gone over my head numerous times is that that is a simple thing that God does not send people to hell. We choose hell. God throughout the entire scripture displays you these ways you can go and live them, but this is where they're going to lead. Yes. It's going to leave with the devil. It's going to go with him. Yes. It's, it's absent because what is hell? It's the absence of God's presence. Yes. 
these things, these ways are not my ways. Right. They are not my desires. Right. So I cannot be, light cannot be in darkness. Right. I am absent from them. So you are sending yourself to the absence of my presence. Yes. God isn't a dictator. He's a savior. Yeah, because the question then He's becomes, trying to pull you out of dictatorship. Exactly. Because <laughs> that's what Satan is, is, a dictator, right? Yeah. If you try to go to the light, oh, he's coming after you. Oh, I don't, right? I don't want you to. And, yeah. no, and so then the question then, uh, and this again comes back to, what is the consequence for sin? Death. Death. Darkness. Destruction. Chaos. Mm-hmm. Right? What is the consequence for living according to the laws and commands and mm-hmm. righteousness that Christ requires? Mm-hmm. Life, light, Be- order, yeah. create uh, cre- uh, uh, freedom within boundaries because freedom without boundaries is just chaos. And me and Matthew don't want you guys to think that, oh, we saw God's judgment in the Old Testament, so we don't see God's judgment in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. When we hear this phrase, yeah. I handed you over to your evil desires. Oh, man. That is the judgment that, that still prevails to this day. God looking at you, looking at your heart, and in his perfect judgment yeah. saying, I will hand you over to your evil desires. Yeah. Um, now let's get into some real practicality. Some some real, mm-hmm. how do we move forward is mm-hmm. kind of this section of this space. Mm-hmm. And so th- what we have to understand is we have to figure out how do we, if you're listening to this, uh, as God's people and you're a follower of Christ and you are I, you identify mm-hmm. yourself as a, a Bible-believing Christian, mm-hmm. how do we incarnate, if you will, the holiness of God and His love? Mm-hmm. How do we approach people mm-hmm. with love while simultaneously bringing truth? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus did that perfectly uh, John 1 14 Jesus mm-hmm. came in the fullness of truth mm-hmm. and grace so how do we demonstrate this is a hard it's hard to phrase how do we demonstrate both simultaneously tolerance yeah. and intolerance mm-hmm. right yeah all right so I've been given the task here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to break this down good luck Dan I'm gonna try to say this as simple as possible I'm going to mix in personal experience. I want everybody to know that because this is a hard thing to balance. You can tolerate somebody as a human, but you do not have to tolerate their ideologies. Mm. You do not have to sit there and say to somebody, I, I believe what you're saying is truth. Yes. You can fully love somebody and say, I love you because you are a human being because you are still God's child and say, but I do not love what you believe. And still be in relationship with them. Yeah. Still, because there's people we disagree with at a basic level. Like Matthew over here thinks that New Girl is a great show. I don't agree with it. Okay. <laughs> That's not in the show notes, Daniel. Okay. I was not prepared for this level of ridiculousness that you would stay be on track. Okay. Stay. It's All just right. a it's just a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. <sighs> but I I love Matthew. And I think he's great, but I don't have to tolerate the fact that he thinks this <laughs> yes. is, a, yeah. but there's but a difference. But that diff- can be even, you can even go with uh, deeper issues. Like you don't have to, just because somebody might, you might know somebody who's a homosexual mm-hmm. or who's somebody who is a part of the LGBTQ community. You yeah. don't have to agree with their ideology, but you can still have them over to play I'd cards. even go to extent. I would go to an extent. A lot of you, like youth, there's certain friends that might be, 
This is just a real reality. Your friends might be going and getting drunk. Yeah. Your friends might be yes. going and smoking weed. Yes. They might be partying. They yeah. might be living out these lifestyles that yeah. clearly go against what yes. you think. And you can openly say, I disagree with what you're doing, but still be like, hey, you want to go get coffee? Yeah. Because you don't define that person because of that just one belief right. that they have, because that one lifestyle that right. they live. Obviously, as Christians, we want to see these people turn from these things. But, and we want to make that evident. Yeah. But we don't abandon them no. just because they're in the part of their hearts where right. they might be saying, I just, I can't agree with you. Right. And that's what I want to really make clear with you guys is there's multiple things that yeah. everybody wants us to point out the hot topics and everything. Yeah. But this comes down to the basic level. Your friends might just think that gossiping's okay. Yes. Your friends might think that fits lying, of rage. lying, fits of rage, yes. lying, selfishness, yes. all these things. There are people that will literally openly say to you, I just don't think that this is bad to yeah. think and you can openly say i disagree with that yeah. and agree to disagree yeah. and but still be friends with them right and still to have a relationship with them not a completely abandon them yeah. and if we're talking about emotional health we'll get into toxicity yeah. and how to separate yourself from those people yeah. but what i'm trying to get across here to you all is that there's a difference between tolerating the fact that someone has great humanity that's standing in for them and looking at them and saying i don't have relationship with you because of this one thing we disagree on. Mm. That is not the heart of Jesus. No. And that rejects people. And if you want to look at church history, it caused quite a bit of hurt yeah. going down that approach. Yeah, absolutely. I can go numerous into stories of yeah. how hateful things were done to communities that disagreed with us theologically, yeah. including like the LGBTQ community. Yeah, absolutely. And it has caused this massive hurt. Rift. Rift. Yes. And it, it is the tension is very much yeah. still there. And yeah. we need to recognize that. And but, reconcile it. And right? reconcile Again, it. Again, we don't have, they don't, and we talked about this in part one. They don't want, that community is not calling us to change our beliefs yeah. or change mm -hmm. what our Bible says. They're calling us to be clear mm -hmm. and precise yes. with what we believe. Yes. And to get into that is that that's what we want to tell you guys is that yeah. you don't have the validity. You don't have the, wow, that was a crazy validity. validity. Yeah. yeah. To look at someone and say, I hate you because of this difference. No. But you can say, I disagree um, and still be in relationship with them. Absolutely. And I, what I want to tell you this is that sometimes, and this is kind of my last practical point I want to yeah. give. Even God handed them over to their desires. Absolutely. And no matter how evil they were. Yep. He handled them over to their desires. Yeah. And there are people in your life that I know as Christians, you're going to listen to this and you're going to want to convert people so badly that the basis of your relationship with them is just, I want to have every conversation. I want to lead to them converting to what I believe is right. Yeah. And you can't do that because no. that will, that's not real relationship no. and that will cause tension. That will cause hurt. And there are friends in your life, and I know this is hard, and I it makes me emotional because I'm thinking of friends right, man. It, I'm thinking of friends right now, where I've had to literally say, they just don't want, they just don't want it, and God, I have to hand them over to their evil desires, and God hope that they turn away because yeah. when I try to talk to them about this, they don't want it, yeah. and you hope that somebody else can reach them, but sadly we can't reach everybody. And but yet you, you still get coffee with this person. You still get coffee with you them. You still have relationship with them. Mm. Maybe you don't even go get coffee. Maybe you play soccer or football, yeah. or maybe you go and uh, you know 
play a video hoops. game yeah, with play them. Play video games with them. Maybe somehow, in some way, you still have life and connection with them. This is exactly what Luminate Student Ministries is all about. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the Light Switch podcast. We're about. We're we're based out of a student ministry called Luminate mm-hmm. Student Ministries. Our mission is to um, help students to our disciple students to be the light of Christ in mm-hmm. every situation. Mm-hmm. Our vision is that students would know and own their faith based on the evidence. Yeah. And we want students to be the light of Christ in every situation. So what's that look like? That looks like you going into your the darkness mm-hmm. and you being the influence, not the influenced. Yep. Right? And that's what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. He clearly hanged out with sinners. He hanged out with the people that were very much going to kill them. Yep. But because of his character, he influenced people. Yeah. You look at that. The simple thing is um, Zacchaeus, tax collector. Yep. He said, after just one conversation with Jesus, he went and said, man, I'm going to go return all this. I'm going to give it back twofold. Yeah. And realize that, guys, is that by you well, not I think re- four. just... I think he says four, 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 four Yeah. By you guys not just rejecting these friends, by you just not pushing them away and saying, because we disagree on this, we yeah. can't have any relationship. Yeah. You're closing off to the opportunity of you shining the light to them. Yeah. And they might actually say one day, what is different mm. about Matthew? What yeah. is different about Dan? What is different about? So mm-hmm. let me give you a quick story and then we'll wrap this up because uh, this is a, a personal story of mine. Uh, I was in eighth grade. I was going, I was homeschooled up to the eighth grade and I was going into high school and I love soccer. Mm-hmm. And the year, my eighth grade year, they, um, the soccer team and my home, uh, my, um, hometown, they lost in, I think it was district finals or regional yeah. finals or something. And they ended up taking a communal poop oh, God. in the locker room of the school that they were playing at. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is just all because they lost. I think it was, I think they oh. lost in the end of conference or something, something It was a conference yeah. rival. It was, uh, Allegan that they ended up doing this in. Dang a communal dump in this locker room. And all the teachers were telling my parents, don't let Matthew join the team. He'll be, he'll be dragged down the wrong path, all this stuff. And my parents sat me down. This is a testament to uh, Mama Denise and Papa, Papa, Papa Gary. Yeah. They sat me down. You know what they said to me? They said, Matthew, you can go into this space, but if you become the influenced based on our standards, we will pull you. We will pull you so fast you won't know what happened. You will never play soccer at this community again if you allow this community, this group of men, to pull you down. So you go and you influence. Long story short, my senior year, we I went, took a poop. And I took <laughs> a poop <laughs> in a lot. No, uh, but my senior year, uh, I went with a group of uh, me and my buddy. Uh, shout out to David Whitaker, my guy. Uh, we went 23 and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an awesome year. He and I started praying before um, every game. By the end of the season, we had like, I think like six, six or seven guys. But there was this one student who at the end of my junior year, I kept asking him questions like why he was doing the things he was doing. He was like chewing and, and drinking in the back of the bus, you know, just doing all the things. He would always party. I was like, man, what are you searching for? Like, what are you doing this for? Never. I, I remember coming home after the year he graduated, and I just was crying to my mom, like, "Mom, he 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 never he never fully came back. He never understood." And I remember being so devastated that this one guy never never accepted. Well, mm-hmm. I think my sophomore year of college, my dad ended up losing his job. He was a builder. It was in two thousand eight. He ended up losing his job. Had to work for I think Home Depot or Lowe's, one of those places. And 
he was helping out a customer and this guy came up to him afterwards and he goes, Hey, are you Gary Roberts? Are you Matt Roberts's dad? And it was like, uh, yeah. And he goes, you know, I doubt you even know who I am. I played soccer with him in high school. He was always talking to this one other kid about what it means to follow Jesus. And he didn't understand, but I was sitting in the seat behind him. And he really asked some really good questions. And I didn't know what to do with them. And I go to church now. I, I follow Jesus because your, brother, your, your son mm. was talking to this one kid and had no idea I was listening. Because mm. here's what's cool about light is that it doesn't just shine in one specific spot. Yep. When it enters into the darkness, it illuminates an entire room. Mm-hmm. And so that's, again, our hope, our mission, our vision as that students would know and own their faith based on the evidence mm-hmm. and that they would do so by being the light of Christ in every situation. Amen. Amen. So guys, thank you so much uh, for joining us on this journey of talking about the intolerance of God. And we hope this has been helpful. We hope this helps you read the Bible in new yeah. ways. Uh, so Daniel, thank you, man. Matthew, thank you too, man. And thank you everybody for listening. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. We serve a good God. We do, guys. <laughs>